Welcome back to Just Saying, everyone. This is a podcast about how to be a more intentional communicator. My name is Charlie Thornton from The Brief Lab, and today we're going to be doing an FAQ segment on mindset. We've been getting a lot of questions about mindset issues, and I thought it would be fun to sweep a few of them together and opine on them a little bit and share some things that hopefully are helpful for you. Before we get into that, um, if you're new, thank you so much for being here. Please don't forget to give us a review on iTunes, preferably a really awesome review, and that'll help us get the word out to more people. Okay. Um, oh, last thing on uh, these FAQ segments. If you've got a question that you'd like us to answer, please send it to us. And you can do that by sending an email to FAQ at thebrieflab.com. We always get excited to see those questions come in, and we are doing our best to work them into these segments. All right, let's talk about mindset. Um, and I think first off, I'm just going to give a little definition for what is a mindset, because it's a term that gets thrown around a lot. And I'm not giving you a scientific term here, or even you know one from Webster's Dictionary. Um, but just in terms of how we think about mindset at the Brief Lab, it would be a belief that you have that shapes your perception of the world and then in turn your actions or your decisions. Um, and you might be wondering, well, why, why do you care about that? Why do you care at the Brief Lab about mindsets? Uh, and, and the reason that we care is because our mindsets affect how we use our attention. And anything that affects attention is very much of interest to us. So as you probably know, and have probably heard before, we believe that attention is one of the most precious things that we have, you know, in a given day. It's, it's, it's sort of like this, this limited commodity that we have. And so we want to spend it on the things that are going to give us the greatest return and value. Well, if our mindset pushes our attention towards something or away from something, then that's certainly a, an issue that we need to be aware of. And that's why we're talking about mindsets today. There's a psychologist named uh, Gary Klein who does a lot of research on this type of thing. And he, he talks about it like this. And I'll, uh, he says that mindsets, quote, let us frame situations. They direct our attention to the most important cues so that we are not overwhelmed with information, end quote. So I'll give you like a dumb example of this. Let's say, let's say you've got a dog that's been abused. Uh, and you go to pet the dog, it's going to pay attention to your hands very closely. And it's probably going to shrink from your hands or maybe you get aggressive and try to bite your hands because its mindset, it, it, it has a belief based on its experience that the human hand is a source of pain and suffering, right? And so it wants to shrink away from that. If you have a healthy dog, they're not focused on the hand. They might enjoy you petting them, but they want to jump up and lick you in the face, right? And, and so the way that we develop our mindsets or the mindsets that we have developed over time start to affect the way that we use our attention. And that's why I think it's worth looking at. Okay, let's jump into the questions that we have uh, here today. First off, which mindsets should we help our leaders develop, manage, and maintain? Um, there are probably a lot of them. And I'll admit that I'm as much a student of this as anyone. You know, I, I'm fascinated by mindsets and we're constantly studying them at the Brief Lab. Uh, but by no means 
am I or are we sort of the end all authority? But I want to, I'll give you two things that come to mind immediately. Which mindsets should we help our leaders develop, manage, and maintain? The first one is seeing opportunities instead of obstacles. I think a lot of us are sort of naturally wired to focus on the reasons that we can't do things to immediately shoot our own good ideas down before they ever take flight. And so we see obstacles and there, there are probably a lot of different reasons for that. Um, but one of the things that I've learned in my career is I have to help myself focus on the opportunities. Every obstacle sort of has a corresponding opportunity. And in my experience, the best leaders are the ones who are able to see the opportunities above the obstacles, right? To, to, to be able to, and, and then to be able to point the team toward those opportunities. Now, if you are naturally focused on obstacles, if that's sort of your natural mindset, but you can start to shift yourself to, to see opportunities, then you actually develop what I think is a pretty deadly combination, which is you still see the obstacles, but now you see them as problems to be solved, to get to a better opportunity. And that's really what a great leader does is it helps the team overcome the hurdles, remove the hurdles so the team can kind of do their best work. The second uh, mindset that I think is really important for leaders to have is to be intentional. Joe McCormick, who's the, the host of this podcast and the owner of the Brief Lab and my boss, wrote a book called Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. And it's very much about this. How do we take a much more intentional approach to our day? I kind of think of it like there are, there are two kinds of people. There are people who wake up and then the world just happens to them. And then there are people who wake up and they pause and they try to figure out what, what little things could I control? How could I shift the way that this day plays out in the direction that I want it to go as much as possible? Because we can't ever control everything. But there are little things that we can control. And the only way you do that is by being more intentional on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis to have moments where you pause and reflect. And when you do that, you start to become a student of your own experience. You know, there's that old quote, the unexamined life is not worth leading, right? Um, I don't know that I agree with that, but I do think that living an examined life is better than an unexamined one. And you can't do that if you don't stop and take a more intentional approach. Two mindsets. Focus on opportunities over obstacles and then be more intentional. Next question. I've always heard if you're not growing, you're dying. How can I start to develop that growth mindset? Growth mindset is a term you've probably heard before. It's very, very popular in the business world. Has been for a while. There's a psychologist at Stanford. Her name is Carol Devec. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And she did a lot of really cool research on this. And, and she basically found that there are static mindsets or fixed mindsets. And then there are growth mindsets. And that term growth mindset gets, in my opinion, misapplied a lot. And people read into it what they want to read into it. But what she was talking about was, if I have a fixed mindset, it means that my gifts, my talents are just innate. I was given them at birth. They don't really change much, uh, and so I, I am who I am. A growth mindset means that um, I believe that my 
gifts and talents can be honed, can be created, that new skills can be acquired. So it's a, in some sense, it's a much more exciting mindset to have. It's a learning mindset, maybe is the best way to describe it. Well, you can see how if you have one of those mindsets over the other, it starts to change things a lot, especially long term. It starts to change how we view challenges. Um, it starts to change how we view our own insecurities. It starts to change how we view our failures. Um, and so how do you develop a growth mindset? There's a lot of good real uh, literature out there on that. But I think the first thing is you've got to tell yourself that I can grow, I can improve, and to look back at your life and all of the skills that you've acquired and remind yourself that that you acquired those, that you weren't born with all of them. The fact that we're speaking right now is something that we've acquired, right? Um, so I think that's sort of the the starting point for how you develop that that growth mindset and then start to look at obstacles. It's kind of back to what we were talking about earlier. If you can learn, then, you're op- then you can learn how to solve problems and now obstacles are now opportunities, right? And so it, it, it leads to a more positive can-do attitude in general. And, and so that's uh, how I might approach that. Next question, how can I develop a mindset that would allow me to take advantage of feedback? Great question. Um, this actually is a really good example of a growth mindset. If you have a growth mindset and you get negative feedback, what does that mean? Well, it means that there's an opportunity here for you to grow. And that whether the person giving you the feedback is even right or not, this is what they perceived. And so you get an opportunity to ask yourself, why do they have that perspective? How can I change it? What could I what could I do differently? What could I learn? that might create a different outcome. So it's a puzzle that can be solved. Uh, If you don't have a growth mindset, then feedback is really um, demoralizing because what it basically means is feedback isn't to say, hey, you haven't learned this lesson yet or you haven't acquired this skill yet. You, what it is to say is you're not good enough to do this and that's why you're not doing it. Well, nobody wants to hear that because there's no way out of that, there's no hope from that. So I think the way you develop a mindset to take advantage of feedback is the same way that you develop a growth mindset. You have to, you have to really honestly evaluate your, your own perspective and then tell yourself that you can grow, you can improve. Now, I'm a millennial, okay? I'm, an, I'm a senior millennial, but a millennial nonetheless. And we notoriously have thin skin. And as much as I would like to say that I don't have thin skin, I my emotions get involved when I hear tough feedback. I don't like it. I teach a lot of workshops. I don't like when I see that I, you know, that the feet that that I didn't do a great job. I'm shooting for for excellence. So I don't like to see that. So another thing that you got to keep in mind especially if you're like me and you your emotions get involved when you get that bad feedback is give it some time. Give it a rest. Don't do anything rash absorb it, set yourself some time to consider it. And what I've noticed is that over the course of 24 hours, especially if maybe I talk through it with a few people that I trust, I start to see the wisdom in that feedback. I start to see the truth in that feedback. And then I can start to do something useful with it. I can start to learn from it. Next question. What is the most harmful thing I could do in maintaining a positive mindset? 
Ooh, that's a good good question. Um, I'm gonna give two things that I think are really detrimental. One is complaining. I think there's a place for complaining. I think complaining can be useful if when we are complaining, it is helping us clarify the problem that we need to solve. So sometimes by putting our problems into words, it makes them more concrete. It forces us to be really specific about what they are. And so in the process of complaining, you may actually put your finger on the real root issue that needs to be solved. If that's how you're complaining, fine. That's not where complaining is a problem. Complaining becomes a problem when it starts to become a sport in and of itself, when it starts to become an emotional exercise where you sort of run around in circles and get yourself whipped up into a, you know, a state of heightened emotion, um, which sounds absurd. And I, I know we would like no one wants to believe that they do that. But the reality is we sometimes do that to ourselves. So if you're complaining and you find yourself saying the same thing over and over and over again, there's, that's a good sign that you're not in a productive complaining state. You're now in a, a counterproductive complaining state. And that's really going to affect your mindset over time. Because what happens when you start complaining and you start going around in circles is those obstacles that we talked about earlier, they just start getting taller. That mountain or that wall that's in your way, it just starts getting taller and taller and taller. And most complaining is really attributing the problem to someone else. It's pointing the finger. It's their fault because they're malicious or they're irresponsible or whatever. But it's their fault because they're a bad person that I can't be, that I can't have the success that I want to have. So I think complaining is probably the number one thing that I would avoid if you want to foster a positive mindset. Um, then there's a second one, though, which is sort of like the opposite of complaining. Or maybe it's complaining, but it's directed a different way, which is beating yourself up. I've seen people who are so critical of themselves and so obsessed with the mistakes that they've made that they can't just get past it. And that really weighs them down. Um, and it's kind of a, it, it seems like a humble thing, but I think and actually in some ways it's, it's, it's actually just a source of pride where we're, we're fixated on ourselves and our own shortcomings and maybe the image that we didn't want to have. And so we're really down on ourselves. And this becomes problematic as you try to become more intentional, because if you are trying to be more intentional, it means you're stopping on a daily basis and making plans, and then you're stopping and reflecting back on those plans and trying to adjust and learn from them, right? Remember, I talked earlier about being a student of your own experience. Well, if you're constantly beating yourself up, let's say you plan to do four things and you get to the end of the day and you only did two of them. Well, if you're in the habit of beating yourself up, you're like, I got a 50%. That's an F. But another way to think of it is, did, did, this, did these two things I get done, what, what did that do for me? Did it take me in a positive direction? And then conversely, well, these two things I didn't get done, why didn't I get them done? Could I have changed some things that would have allowed me to get them done? Maybe it was the right choice not to get them done. Maybe something more important or more urgent came up and, and that was sort of the direction that you had to go. And I think that's totally, totally fine. So the goal isn't that you create plans and then execute those plans perfectly. The goal is that we're constantly learning, right? You know, ch checking and adjusting, as they say, continuous improvement in the corporate speak. 
but we're looking, we're learning from our own experiences. Um, and part of that, part of being able to learn from that is being able to give yourself a little bit of grace and saying, yeah, okay, I didn't get that done. And if it was your fault and you were just lazy or whatever, like, okay, it, it is what it is. Now I, now I plan for tomorrow and I try to make incremental progress, not drastic progress. All right. These are great questions. Uh, we got one more here. What ways can I help my team manage their mindsets to boost their energy, engagement, and productivity? Awesome question. Uh, I'll tell you right off the bat, I don't know all the answers to this. There are a lot of different ways that you can do this, but I'll give you a couple thoughts here. Um, no surprise there, right? I think the main answer is you've got to lead by example. So you can lead you can lead by example in a few different ways. Number one is, is sharing your learnings. Maybe you have had more time or more experience to understand mindsets and the power of a mindset that, that a mindset has on your the attitude you bring to work every day. So share that with your team. Uh, and, and likewise, share with them the expectations that you have. We are going to be a team that is relentlessly focused on that. We are not going to be a team that works uh, nights and weekends. Whatever it is, whatever those expectations are, make those explicit and unambiguous and then share concrete things that you've learned about why those are the right expectations and not the wrong expectations. This is a moment where you can often refer back to your own career and people can learn from stories of failure. I had one boss who was always on. And here's what that did to the team. And because of that bad experience, we're not going to replicate that. The second way, obviously, that you can lead by uh, lead the way is through your example. So if you're if you set an expectation that we're not going to work nights and weekends, and then your team's getting it, getting emails from you at 2 a.m., that sends a message to them. So don't do that. You can write the email at 2 a.m. if you're crazy and then send it later when it's, you know, 7.30 a.m. or whatever. Um, leading by your example, if you leave at 4.30 to make sure you're home in time for your son's birthday party, that tells your team something about how you prioritize family. And it gives them a certain permission to do the same. When you have conversations with them, you can reinforce that. How's your son doing? You know, and, and start asking those types of questions. So you need to set the expectation verbally. Then you need to live it. They need to see you living it on your own. And then the last thing is you need to create an environment. This is probably the most important responsibility that leaders have. You need to create a, an environment that reinforces all of these expectations and, and behaviors. So it's not just enough that maybe your calendar looks pretty good, but we also you also have to help the team set some standards as a team to make sure that their calendars look pretty good. You can do that by saying, hey, look, we all need quiet time to get important stuff done. And to do that, we're going to begin the day each day with two hours where we don't have meetings and everyone sets their priorities and gets deep work done during those times. And I give you permission to Work with your outlook off. I know, gasp, imagine working offline for two hours. Could it, is it even possible? That's one example of how you could create the environment that reinforces the mindset that you want the team to have. There are many, many others. Um, 
and I'm sure you have a lot of those from your own experience. Leading with words, leading with example, and then as the leader, taking the time to create the environment that further reinforces those behaviors. I think those are good ways to encourage a proper mindset. All right. Uh, those are our questions on mindset today. I hope you found some of this to be helpful. If you did, let me know. If you didn't, you can let me know that as well. By no means do we have the final say on any of this stuff, but we're trying to give practical guidance to help you on your journey to be a more intentional communicator. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Charlie Thornton. This is Just Saying. Have a great week, everyone.